If someone tells you that they have depression, believe it. You don't have to be like, now what do we do? Just fucking believe it. Because if they're going to make a decision, they might go to you. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. You can also reach us at our Twitter and Facebook pages at Suicide Noted. If you'd like to support the podcast, keep doing what you're doing. Listen, let folks know about it. And if you listen on Apple, you can rate or review the podcast. That really helps other people find it. Thanks so much for that. Today, I am talking with Anna. Anna lives in Colorado, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. My story is a little bit funny in that um, everyone's story is a little funny, but I was really young. When I first tried this, I was like 11 or 12 and I didn't even know that what I was doing outside of being like religiously sinful and wrong in that sense, I didn't really even have the weight, you know, you're 11 or 12. I really didn't know what the consequences of what I was trying were doing. And then for that to have followed me obviously into my adult life. um, And then most recently, I wouldn't even say attempt. I got close again at some point when I was living in Texas, but to say that that was my attempts were when I was young, I feel like it's something that people don't talk about and they feel uncomfortable hearing, but I definitely know I'm not the only one. I've talked to other people. There are children that try. Yeah. I just don't know if I knew the gravity of the situation at that point, but I knew, I just, I definitely know. And it's the same feeling, right? Like revisiting the feeling as an adult. I don't, I don't, unvalidate, devalidate, unvalidate how I was feeling that at that point. Well, let me ask you this. So where were you living when you were a kid? I was living in Los Angeles, California. It always sounds whenever you start a story like that, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound so privileged? I was, you know, living in LA. So you are a kid. Mm -hmm. And at some point you thought about it? Or you also acted on that? And if so, was that once or twice? Like, give me a little overview of that whole thing. Yes, definitely. So I was a kid living in Los Angeles and I was really, really sad. I wouldn't even call it depressed then because I didn't even know that word existed. And I was raised in a moderately Catholic household so that when this idea came to my head that, oh my gosh, if ending your life is a sin... What if you pray for it, right? Like, can I pray hard enough? And like, just one day God strikes me down. So I was trying that didn't work out. 
And so I started looking at this, you know, world of internet, right? And so I started looking at, you know, ways to die. How old were you, by the way, at this time, más o menos? Más o menos, uh, 11 years old, right? So I think 11 11 or or 10, just like middle school, the worst years of everyone's life. (laughs) Before middle school, yeah, yeah, tough, tough years. And I thought I was struggling a lot with the concept of feeling this and feeling so alone about it because in middle school, the goal, right, is to come off as cool and collected and friendly and adult and understanding. And in the, in the meantime, I was coming home every day going, I am so devastated by everything, right? So I was really um, focused on world suffering, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe the chapter just before this was, oh, I'm going to change the world into, I can't change the world. I can't stop. There are people that are starving, that are being attacked, harassed, tortured right now, you know, just like the craziest thing right now, right now. And again, and again, (laughs) but you're right. That that just took me into your brain a moment where I'm like, all right, me and Anna have something in common there. Cause I'm like, and again, right now, Yes, always, always. And it's, ha- and you know, and tenfold, right? It's not just one person. It happens all the time. And, all the time. and, same with su- and, uh, and a same with suicides, suicide attempts and suicides. You yeah. do the math and I'm, we don't need to do the math, but we've, I've talked about it on this podcast and it's, mm-hmm. we don't see it almost yeah. ever often. Often. And- exactly. How many is it per second? Do you know? Or I like- don't know how many it is per second. And the reality is this is a rabbit hole and I don't want to go down, but it's yeah. kind of hard to gauge a suicide attempt sometimes. Is it a suicide attempt when you overdose? We yeah. don't know. Yeah. You know. There's a lot of situations where you don't really know. They're not as clear as the person jumped from a bridge, right? Right. Uh, w- regardless, there's a lot of people. We know there's a lot of people in a lot of pain and some mm-hmm. of them take this route or try. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you're 11. Yeah, I was really young. And the first attempt... I would say, and it's not, I wouldn't, I'm going to call this a not physical attempt, but the first time I really knew I wanted to die. And again, I was really religious at the time. My friends all went to Century City, to the mall. They all went to the movies. Everyone was walking around like laughing the whole time. And the whole time I couldn't stop thinking like, this doesn't mean anything. Nothing. This sucks. Like none of these people are my friends. Um, they don't really care what's actually going on in my mind. The movie was whatever, you know, they were disrespectful to the people in the movie theater. These people, you know, like this is all like, what's the point of being a young adult? There's no growth. There's no development. And furthermore, we're in this like huge capitalistic mall walking around what pretending to be adults, like, and, and the idea that it would just become that one day, like, Oh, and then one day what I'll become the adult that walks through the mall, you know, Oh, at least I can walk into the, it just seemed so boring. And so I got picked up of course by my mother. And then I went home and I was sitting in my room, um, which it's important to note because it, it allowed me to do a lot of things independently was like a separate floor from the rest of my family's home. So I, I lived on the bottom floor and it was a funny situation where they all lived upstairs on this property. And so I go to my room and I start looking around there's objects, there's things and nothing. It doesn't, I don't find a meaning outside of, I know there's a God. Right. And like, I'm like, well, okay, so let's have this conversation. And like tears streaming down, begging. I've been good my whole life. I've never done anything wrong. I thought I was going to be a saint one day. Like that's the brainwashing that I was involved in to, to, to then say nothing, none of this matters. Like, please just strike me down. Isn't that a thing? Like, don't people ask for this? You know, don't. And I, 
I pulled all the stunts, Sean, all the, all the prayer, all the things, you know, Hail Marys literally, and, and just trying my very best, closing my eyes, opening them, standing under beams. You know what I mean? Just being like, come on, I'll make it easy. Just drop the, <laughs> just really just so you can tell how innocent I was to think that there's really just a God that kind of can make it easy because I thought that it was a sin if I did it myself. But if God okay. said it was cool, you know, he understood my thinking fine. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, right for unfortunately for my brain at the time, I woke up the next morning, I wasn't dead. So that's when I started going, okay, let's figure this out. I can do it myself. Obviously, God didn't send me any signs that what I was asking for was wrong either. So let's traverse into this territory. And there was a movie and I'm sure afterwards, or maybe you can put it in the show notes about a place where everyone that commits suicide goes really an amazing movie. Obviously I was a kid, so I wasn't going to do anything painful because I was still scared. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm an adult and I wouldn't want to do anything that's painful. Isn't that weird? Isn't yeah. that weird? Like, no, how, I don't think know? it's weird. I think it's not weird at all. But it's so weird in the sense that like, okay, you'll end your life, but you want like just a little bit of pain to make it all go away. Like the gravity of it doesn't lo Contrast logically. There's or, no yeah, right. It just doesn't quite add up. But a lot of what we're talking about isn't neat and doesn't always add up. It just, no. it just doesn't, right? No, it doesn't. And And so the first physical time I tried, I grabbed a bunch of duct tape. I found like the quietest corner in the house. It happened to me in my parents' closet. And it's an important detail mm. because I get in there and I start wrapping everything, right? Just like wrap, wrap, wrap. Okay, wrap. Next is this. Then my mouth, leaving my nose out so that I could breathe while I was finishing everything else. I wrapped my hands, wrapped everything possible. And then I covered my nose, right? So this is like how little I was. My tool was a duct tape. My goal was to suffocate. And so what I was doing as I was trying to distract myself is trying to step over my arms because they say that your immediate reaction is then to like, you're going to fight it. And so I was trying to step over my arms and I got to the point where I'm like, yes, I'm perfect. I'm in this position starting to lose air. This is great. And I was excited. I wasn't scared. I wasn't even crying. I was just like, oh, thank God. Or thank whatever myself at this point. Thanks. God didn't do anything. And then this is how much of a nerd I was. I knew at the time, if you started losing consciousness, that you could regain consciousness. And so I did it once where I was like, oh, wow, that was kind of a little dark. And But when I came to, I was like, oh, my God. I'm in my parents' closet. How much of an asshole am I that my parents are going to come home from work or yeah. wherever it was, and they're going to find their dead daughter in their closet? Correct. And like, I knew that I would turn blue and or purple or something like, do you know what I mean? What the heck? And so immediately I started kind of fighting this. My little wrists were small enough that I was able to find one of my mom's hangers, you know, and like fighting my own will to this. Okay. I got it off. I was able to get out of that one, not upset at myself for, for attempting, but really for having done this in a way that it would have just been so graphic. Like for my parents, like, I don't know what I was thinking. So the, the parents, neither of them ever find out what you did. Not until I was an adult. I told them later when I was an adult, I told them everything when I was an adult, okay. I was like, yeah, you guys should know what you did. Right, but sure. <laughs> when you left the closet, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I presumably it's not a magic pill and everything's okay. No. With your life. No, I, and, you know. Yeah. I became more fixated on how to do this in a way that was less like me turning blue, you know, like I just became more kind of obsessed with it. And so I would go to school, do the normal thing. And then I would come home and figure it out. 
one of the ones I learned was that if you could enclose a exhaust into a car, you could like do this overnight. You know, you could like fill a car exhaust overnight, you know? Uh So I spent a few days into the garage. Again, my, my room was on the bottom floor, hence parallel to the garage and my parents were upstairs. So I would spend all my free time just kind of being like, well, is it the hose? What does this do? What? And one, one day I thought, okay, so overnight I'm going to start my dad's car, a Jaguar. So it was, it was so dramatic. It would have been so dramatic. Yeah. And I tested it a few times, like starting it. Okay. No one woke up. And so I did that and I found a, just like a regular, I don't even know what kind of like a pool tube or something, you know, like where I like fixed it, put it in the window. But again, I was a kid, so I, I didn't know that you had to like seal the window, you know, you didn't have to, you know, so I start it late at night and I'm like, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm just going to sit in this passenger seat. I'm, the car has started. I'm just going to go here. I'm going to fall asleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'll be dead. Or well, when I don't wake up in the morning, I'll be dead. It'll be phen- phenomenal. My dad will come down. You know, I'll be just sitting in the car. It didn't seem as graphic to me. So I did that. Obviously, I didn't sleep very well. I was just like, oh, am I dead yet? Am I dead yet? You know, mm. but I don't think I was ever going to die because for you to really die of you know, exhaust poisoning, I think you'd have to seal off the car entirely. And I just wasn't that advanced yet. Like I was like, I could smell it. That must be fine. So my dad in the morning, I wake up to my dad going, what are you doing? Just thinking I was being like stupid, experimenting. Do you know what I mean? He didn't catch it. He didn't understand what I was trying to do. I think he thought that I thought the smell of the exhaust, I don't know, but that was so weird to me that he didn't, yeah, he didn't identify it. So I played it off. Obviously I woke up like, damn, well, I guess, I guess I'm not dead. And so in between all of that, of course, there's like a lot of, a lot of crying, a lot of being like, nothing, none of this matters, blah, blah, blah. But at that point, when my dad didn't do anything about it, I kind of realized, I think this is something I have to do when I'm an adult. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I've asked this question to a lot of people, which is when you wake up after wanting to die, Yeah. You know, you just said, well, I guess it didn't die. Was it like that? I think that's where the naivety of what I was doing came in, right? Because I viewed it as, okay, this is a solution to the way that I am feeling. I found out about this via movies and internet that adults seem to be doing this very easily. And so when I woke up, right, and I wasn't dead and my dad is just standing there like, what the, you're such an idiot. (laughs) What are you doing? You know, I didn't think like, ah. I mean, obviously I was disappointed in the fact that I had to go on another day and try it again, but I really did come to a quick resolve that the issues are my parents coming into this. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't think of a way. I didn't have a pool anymore. I couldn't think of a way of dying without them getting in the way. And I mean, it sounds so, so sinister that way without them meddling my plans, but really (laughs) I was so young that they were my only life, you know, my, my brother and my parents. And so I wasn't disappointed in not being dead as much as I was, my planning was off. Do you know what I mean? And so that really, I think got buried. I didn't think about it for a really long time. I went through life. And then in um, high school, I did a project on teenage depression or something. And I found out that I was depressed, like that I had, Mm. you know what I mean, that I had those things. And I was like, Oh, and I, Oh, that's suicidal ideation, right? Where I always would, you know, close my eyes and be like, and Ah, I'm still here. What'd you do once you figured, hey, I, I I think I have this thing? I told my parents 
I didn't tell them I had tried yet, but that I was praying to die at that point. And that I found out like based on this list, hey, mom and dad and these books and whatever, like I, I'm depressed. I think it's just a different time. They just didn't believe me at the time or they didn't want to say it, you know, like nothing, you know, so that sucked. But also I think part of why I wanted to die, like when I was younger is I don't have that. I didn't have that relationship with my parents. I didn't see them as parents so much as I saw them as people raising me. Do you know, uh, now as it now as an adult, I talk to them and I'm, they're always like, yeah, you were always weird about our relationship. Like, I'm not going to the party because you're my friend, not because you're my parent, you know, like, no, I'm your parent, you know? And, right. And so when they told me that, I just thought they're just too, they just don't understand. One yeah. thing that you, you shared that it's like, I'm going to just to break off for a moment. When someone tells you they're depressed, believe mm -hmm. them. Always. Even if they're not telling the truth, even in the unlikely event, they are exaggerating or they're, quote, doing it for attention. You're way better off believing them than, than not. I'm not a parent and I'm sure it's beyond frustrating and right. there's all sorts of moving parts. Fucking believe them, man. They definitely should have because I think that they could have nipped a lot of adult problems that I had in the butt at that time. I didn't even know if what I was feeling was valid other than like this book. Does it mean that everyone feels this and no one, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I was so young. I was, you know, think about it like a high school project, what, 17, 17 years old. And I had told them, yeah, when I was in middle school, I wanted to die. Oh, Anita, please. You know, everyone gets sad. No, I don't think everyone gets that sad. Like, or, and maybe they do, but do they really, does everyone have what? to go through this? My brother is, for example, someone who he and I are very close in age. And so the way he feels about how they react the same way and the way I feel about things shows you 100% the, the opposite consequences that can happen. Right. Mm. So now they have a, a daughter who's just like, fuck it. I'm just going to tell you everything. I'm just going to open my, my world up to you. You don't have to believe it. That's my experience. And I validate it on my own versus this kid. My bro, my brother didn't have that. So now he's a reserved, quiet person. He's um very, you know what I mean? Like the, the, you can tell that he's hurting. And when I talk about like, yeah, I'm hurting, but I saw a therapist, you know, my, my own brother doesn't, he's like, uh, put that away, you know, put that you're being too emotional. You're being too, whatever it might be. And it's just like, wow, you don't have to just cause our parents did that, you know, just cause the people in your life don't validate your experiences. Doesn't mean you have to act on them or not. Right. But you, I don't know. I think a big part of it is how you react to things. Right. I got lucky that my reactions just happened to be beneficial down the line, but yeah, yeah. they could have fucked me over <laughs> really, really bad. You know, where are you from? Anna? Where's your family from? Oh, uh, my family's from Argentina. Are um, you Argentinian? Yes. Yeah. I just, just so the audience knows <laughs> I met Anna. We were both living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. We connected on a project and we reconnected several years later, but Anna, I didn't know, it makes sense now, but I didn't know you were Argentinian. Mm -hmm. I just thought you were like me, like some American chick or dude going down there and just, yeah. you know, living life for a little bit, but you actually have family, have family there. Yeah. Part of the reason I went to live there was because I wanted to see if I felt anything about my Argentine roots and my family newsflash family doesn't mean anything right for people like I went to Argentina and I didn't find what I was looking for but I found a lot of myself and I found a lot of autonomy and a lot of independence and a huge part of just like being able to find contentment in my day-to-day -day came from that experience where I spent the first six months in Argentina going this 
is bullshit. Like I am not happy here. I don't like the culture. I don't like the, I feel like an outsider in my own family. But then the second half is where you met me, where I started looking at Craigslist posts, events, Facebook events, um, traveling to different parts of the country. And, you know, you, you don't have to wait for somebody to, to say, go try something, you know, I don't know. It came from myself. So that was really good. But yeah, my parents were definitely not privy to the idea, even though living in Argentina, I found out everyone on my dad's side of the family has major depression. Yeah. Including suicide attempts, including, you know, this, his mother. What happens when you start talking about it, right? Oh yeah. I was living with my, my aunt twice removed. Like she would be like a great aunt or something. And she'd be like, she'd be like, Oh, please, Anna, your grandmother would spend months in the darkness. Like no one would hear from her back when depression wasn't something you talked about. They would just be like, where's Clara? Just, I don't know. She must be at home doing that thing, you know, quietly sulking. <laughs> when you were so when you were going through this first 11 12 years old that time mm-hmm. did you think you were going to go to heaven whoa that's a good question because you said I you were th- talking about god and catholicism yeah. and you brought up god a few times mm-hmm. like did you think it was just you're done i want out or i want out of this but hey i go up there that looks good oh that is a great question because i think i thought i was good enough that like god would make an exception for me mm-hmm. because I was really, really good, really, really good. And like, I remember like struggling to like, there would be, you know, in Catholic world, they say temptation. Right. And in real world, we just say <laughs> exploring humanity. Right. Like sure. I would want, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd look at a boy and be like, he's cute. <gasps> what an impure thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to confess to the priest. And that I was that kid. Oh, I had that sort of never ending internal angst. Yeah. Oh, sure. P- praying at night, doing the whole hail, the whole rosary, just to be able to get some, you know, brownie points. I felt identified, but also like, yeah, I thought maybe I had an exception because I felt I didn't know that this was something that happened. I thought that I was like unique in that, you know, you're 11 in a sheltered community. Who's going to talk to about this with you? I mean, they should, right? This is why talking about stuff at a young age to people is really, really important. But um, I didn't know. I didn't know. No one had told me about any of this stuff. So I thought, I'm just asking for something out of the norm. I'm going to die. And then the the adult movies about people killing themselves, they're always kind of people with messed up lives, you know? Well, they are messed up. That's why they're killing themselves. Yeah, they don't That's They don't why... typically show it the way it kind of is, or at least they give those. There's a lot of movies, right? Uh, it's, not, yeah. it's like a tiny percentage. You're not really reflecting most yeah. of what's going on out there. Exactly. When most of the time, it's just a regularly functioning human being with internal dialogue that succumbs in a, a logical, I think it's logical sometimes, like, like a logical solution to a problem and the problem is life, like done. Like okay, I'm pro- a you- great question because a lot of people would push back and say, no, th- I think the way you think. But there are people that would say, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about ending your life or if you mm-hmm. attempt to end your life, by definition, you're ill. Yeah. I don't agree. I do. I also and there are certainly agree. some people, however you define mental illness, who try. That's obviously mm-hmm. stating the obvious. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people would say no, no, and anybody who's 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 quote unquote at all normal. Well, I would push back to those regular people. human way. You would yeah. never think about it, or if you did, you wouldn't carry it out for X number all these reasons. I don't think that. I yeah. but I to each his own, you know. I would ask those people. Well, what do they think about euthanasia in moments of chronic illness or or 
incumbent death, like, right, I'm pro that, right? If I, if someone, if I find out that I'm whatever, so incapacitated and in so much excruciating pain that it'll be chronic for the rest of my, you know, who knows how long that is a week, a month, God forbid, it's a year of just being on some ventilator for some people. Yeah. You can find meaning, contentment and joy in that. And I'm happy for those people, but for other people, I do think that they have a right to be like, nah, brah, I was an athlete. I'm out like whatever, whatever 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 it it is, you get to decide, don't you? You do. But so they people I feel like people would maybe be a little more open to the idea. Well, you know, she was in pain. Well, you don't know the angst that someone goes through mentally. That's that's the point. You You don't, you know, you never know. You don't know. Did Mm. you ultimately and you've mentioned therapy. So at what point did you first go to therapy? In college, in my in my senior year, I thought um, it was just too much. There was just too much going on. Like you have to be educated. You have to be energized. You have to be. extroverted and open and also ambitious about your future while also managing your emotions, your hormones, your social life, your family life, all of this stuff. And if you excel in all of those, what are you? You know what I mean? You're like, it feels like you're a crepe, right? I always describe it that way. Like I feel like a crepe sometimes where it's like, Ooh, that's so pretty and delicious and this and that, but really you can't pull the crepe in any direction any much further or it'll tear. And I felt very much like that. So I started talking to a therapist and uh, a lot of it, they were like, when I, you know, when you talk to a therapist and they kind of give you a look, they lean back. You're like, well, what I say, what I say, they're like, yeah, you, a parent shouldn't have said that to you. The whole, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like that's why you were acting like an adult because your parents were talking to you about stuff that was not for the ears of a 10 year old. Why would you, why are you thinking about the suffering of the world? Why are you, because your parents are talking to you like you're an adult and that's inappropriate, you know? And as I got older, I thought I was cured, you know, which is like the funny thing. I was like, I got therapy. I'm content. I'm happy. This and that. I moved to another state. And then just before moving, right? So just before things got better, I did the same thing. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to Wait, die. hang on one second. Where were you coming from? And what was the state that you went to? Oh my gosh, Texas. What was the first <laughs> university you went to? Uh, Long Beach State. I went to Long Beach State. And when I finished university, I moved to Texas. Oh, so Argentina was part of Long Beach State? Yep. 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 I did it as a study abroad program. Uh, So all of that kind of finding my adulthood and like just trying to be happy about things was college years. So when I met you, it was before you ever went to therapy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way before. I was fucked up when I met you. 19 years old. I don't know how old you and all the other comics were, but why wasn't I hanging out with other 19-year-olds, Sean? So yeah, from your lens... Why isn't she hanging out with a 19 year old? Makes sense. From mine, though, I was just like, wow, you know, she's abroad. Uh huh. She's doing this yeah. stuff. So it, it's just fascinating to when we see someone and we, we sort of gauge, ah, they, they're probably pretty healthy, pretty happy. Like you're just, yeah, you're so wrong. Yeah. That's right. The point. That's the long winded right. point I'm trying to make. Right. And that, and I don't think it's wrong to be wrong about those things. Like, I think that's the beauty of humanity, right? Is because if we all read our lives on our sleeves, gosh, that would just be so boring. It would be like everything being an Instagram where it's just immediate gratification. Part of the beauty of life is like discovering things about people and those kinds of things. And I feel like that was what Argentina was for me was finding that out about myself meeting other adults, other people, other cultures, like the whole expat community concept of 
Argentina in and of itself, right? Where I'm hanging out with people that weren't satisfied with life in America. And I was like, what? That had never happened. That had never happened in my whole life, right? And mm-hmm. um, and then the comedy was a, a, a level of comedy I'd never experienced, right? Do you remember Argentines? They are, I think they all might be depressed because there were a few <laughs> of them that were making comedy about like either suicide attempts or uh, pill popping or whatever it was. And I remember thinking totally like, wow, that is... That makes perfect sense. Like why, yeah. why there, it's funny to me because it makes sense to me. You know, when I finished college is when I, I thought, like I said, I thought it was like, fine. I talked to a therapist in my last semester, everything is fine. I'm going to try a new state. No, because I was in under still at that time under the impression that if I'm stronger, if I can figure out a way to do this without meds. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she kept saying, like, you sound like you need some Xanax. And I was like, no, I want to do this myself. And so they sent me to this like anxiety group with breathing techniques. And, you know, when you like I may be depressed, but I don't have anxiety like people have anxiety because I was in an anxiety group where the girls would say, like, I can't get on a on a bus because it's too crowded. Different kinds of anxiety, I think. Yeah. Well, yes. Certainly different oh, levels, but different kinds. Yeah. For sure. But this group was the extreme levels where where like it affects your like day to day life. And yeah. I, you know, was trying to learn breathing techniques with these girls who, if they started breathing too much, they'd be like, "Well, it reminds me of the time that you know." You're like, "Wow, I don't have that." So right. it was put a lot into context of how different every brain is and how whatever. But. That's the beauty yeah. of life, Sean, is how different we all are. Because otherwise, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm I, depressed. Yeah. Me too. I know. I want to know what happened Here. in Texas. South Texas. I, I didn't live in all Texas, but South Texas is a great place if you want to stop what you're doing and raise a family. And there's schools and there's, you know, the beach. Where'd you, and why'd you go there? My boyfriend was moving there and so i wanted to try something new in my very anna way like let's i've lived in argentina i've lived in la i've lived in long beach let's try a different state let's try it and so i chose south texas to to follow him over there it's just the culture is so different in american wise right so like i'm a dreamer a doer and activist at this and that versus when you go there the famous line is oh honey bless your heart which is a short way of saying bitch sit down God damn it. You're, (laughs) you know, like slow down or, you know, where are you from? California. Of course you are. You know, (laughs) of course you are. What what city? LA. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I was this mono, you know, moniker for Los Angeles, California. I didn't like it there. I didn't like the opportunities there. I didn't like how my relationship was going. I didn't like my housing situation. All of it was really tough. And I think I was, I was young, but also like living like an adult right? I was paying my own rent. I was working my own jobs. I got fired from a job that I really loved, Sean. Like I was working with immigrants and I got fired because I was too happy. Like you can fire anyone, someone in Texas for anything. It's an at-will state. And my, a new manager came in and, and was just like, honey, sit down and you may as well wipe that smile off your face. Cause it's not good news. What? What, you know? what, what was the reasoning? Um, the reasoning was that I didn't fit into the workplace culture. That was the official reason. But she told me a lot of times that I was being too aggressive when I would say, but excuse me, why ma'am, honey, sit, slow down, hands up and everything like telling me to what I'm not, you know, I I am a mother. I am a, a sister to an amazing family with a lot of other children. And I can tell you how you need to behave. And I reported her for ageism. I reported her for this. She was a lawyer. And, you know, I just remember this is so unfair, you know, from being like 
little 12 year old girl thinking of the importance of the world. I'm going to change the world. Okay. Maybe I can't do anything. I want to kill myself. Ah, not going to work. Let's grow. Let's get better. Let's find contentment. Let's be an activist. Let's, you know, be energized about everything. And then to move somewhere that that is the opposite of what everyone wants. Put your head down and do your work. That's what people want, Sean. Like, I mean, not everywhere, but a lot of places. Oh yeah. You're right. Were you, and you said you uh, started ideating there. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. At that point I was just like, man. And at the time my boyfriend had guns, which I had never had access to before. So that was a new. Hang on one second. So wait, 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 wait. did he know? I think my partner had had previous relationships where in, in this case, the girl had like attempted because of a dispute that they had, like where they cut their own wrist. And he had said, oh, before I take you to the emergency room, you're going to stitch up your own arm. I mean, coming from a place where if you're not coming from depression, then like, oh my God, that makes sense where you're like, you're not going to do that again, honey, you know, like you stitch up your arm and, you know, um, and so when I had expressed it, I think I felt, I felt heard and I thought that it was something that was happening, but obviously over time, I realized that it wasn't being listened to, or, you know what I mean? I, I don't think in the same way with my parents, I don't think that I ever tell someone and go, help me. you like, what's my solution? I think a lot of people, right. Don't, you know, you know how a lot of people, even on this podcast talk about like how they did that. They told people, but it wasn't a big deciding factor of their attempt. Same way. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but when it comes to suicide, it's kind of a personal thing where you're like, yeah, I really want to die. I really want to this blah, 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 you know? And it's like, Oh, please don't. Okay. <laughs> you what, know, like what now, what, yeah. what what's next? Right. Or let's get, let's feel better. Let's this, but you, maybe the situation doesn't go away. So you don't want that person to feel bad for trying to help you. Totally. All of All that. sorts of stuff that ends up mm-hmm. not helping. Sure. And I don't think, and again, I don't think it was ever something where I was like, and I'm thinking about grabbing one of your guns and like blowing my head off. Like, obviously at that point, I think he, he's, you know, cared about me enough that he would have probably grabbed all his guns and like put it somewhere. But I didn't, I don't think I told him enough about that because I wanted the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like I go one day I came home, I had had a long day. I'd worked really hard. I had talked to some girl about my future and I, you know, like when you're just like, well, it feels fake, you know, I don't know. You, you talk about some future and you're like, that's bullshit. And, and so I came home and I, a new component about adulthood is you can drink. Right. And so I was drinking heavily that day. Like it was just what like, from the, I don't drink liquor, but I, at the time, these, all these details are so important. I was a sampler for liquor on like with, for free, for my free time to try to make more money because I hated all my jobs in Texas. And that day I had not to blame them. What's the one that Jack Daniels 47, the, the black bottle. So as I was giving people samples that day, having a great time, I was taking shots as well. Oh, please, you know, like whatever. It was a great day. But when you have that conversation about your life and you have Jack Daniels in your veins, you know, your your logic is so blown out of proportion. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to blow my brains out, like for sure. And I was, I was even like Googling, like, what's the best way to do this quickly? Because I knew he actually had a buddy that had tried to blow his face off with a, with a a brain off with a shotgun and he got his face instead of his skull. You know what I mean? Don't don't get that wrong. Yeah. And that exactly. And I, you know, there's a lot of cases of that and that happens a lot. And so I don't, I don't want to do that. So I was looking at this. uh, There's a, there's a young lady on this podcast. Did a that few months ago. Yeah. And yep. yeah, and she's alive and she seems to be doing pretty well, but and that's the thing. You know, major, 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 major yep. irreversible things. Oh, sure. 
Sure. But they, do you know how they come out? The one thing is that if you survive, generally they have an appreciation for life, which when you're trying to kill yourself, you don't want, right. you know what I mean? I didn't right. want a chance. I didn't want to be like, Oh, aw, and now I'm alive. You know, I just have bad memory. I didn't want that. I wanted to die. Did you ever touch one of the guns? Oh, for sure. I picked them up. I tried to see the weight of it because I had picked, I had, you know, played around with guns, like at a shooting range at, as a young kid, but I wanted to make sure like, okay, if I decide on this, I need to feel comfortable where are the bullets where, you know, where's everything. Is it loaded? Is it not like, I knew it. I, I can see, I still in my head, like remember where that was in the closet. It's like in the, the sock shelf of the closet, just available because it's Texas, you know, you got to grab your gun. If someone comes in, but you know, on the day that you were drinking the Jack and you went yep. back home, what were you saying about that day? Because that was a little different. I was drinking. And the important part is that I was having a good time and doing something very simple. And then when I came back down to reality, I talked to this random neighbor girl about our future, about life, about whatever, our relationships. And all of a sudden, it just seemed like pointless again. Like, I think that's the ultimate thing for me is every time I ideate, I'm like, gosh, it is just so meaningless. I find a lot of like, excitement and the idea of like what if you're in a history book okay then there that makes sense you know you're like wow you did something enough that you know they had to write about it but if not what you're just living working paying taxes to buy stuff that you're just gonna die and put in a box somewhere and then someone else is gonna have to throw it away insert you know that reason here and so that when I got home I didn't pick up the gun yet because I was heading towards the closet just to be like I have to figure out where where can I do this that they're like blood splatter and like whatever like and I think I was going to go for the gun in gun in mouth towards middle of skull method, because I heard that if you go to your temple, you can miss, miss the made the major parts. And again, you could just be like, have terrible memory for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know, and I, and I just wanted to, I wanted to just get it over with. Again, I think there's some of that element of like, I didn't want to be in pain, whatever. Yeah. But, and I will advocate for this and it changed my life forever. For the rest of my life, I called the suicide national suicide hotline. Holy shit. And I called them and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. And they go, okay, great. On a scale of one to 10, nine, I don't know. I'm on the phone with you. So nine. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Like, can can we get, can we get to the part where you save my life? You know? <laughs> and they go, okay, great. Now let's just go over statistics. Have you been drinking? You know, shit. Well, yeah. You know? And they're like, okay, are you angry? Yes, I'm irate. You know, the whole conversation was like that. It wasn't anything about my emotions. It was so much more about like the statistics of why I could have found myself in that situation. And by the end of the call, and I had to go actually, try, my, my partner had shown up and was like, what are you doing? Right. But it was like, that was the on edge life that I was living where every, you know, when you're in that place with a relationship where everything is like, what is, what are you doing? What are you saying? Like everything felt that way. So he sees me outside on the phone. What are you doing? You know? And I'm okay. Hold on. I'll be inside in a second. You know? And the person goes, Hey, Hey, I hear you have to go before you leave scale of mm. one to 10, five. And they're like, yeah. excellent. So now just keep doing that. You know, keep going through running through these numbers. I've been drinking. I'm irate. I'm this, I'm that, you know, you don't have to change the number. Just know that it can go down. And that was phenomenal. I just use that in my life all the time now before ever doing anything. I run through those kind of like, what have you been doing? Are you upset? Have you been drinking? Whatever, whatever. I recommend it. Every single person should call them for, and, and you know, just cause they don't have to change your mind, but it's just like, okay, if you're going to die, better be, 
for for a good reason, not for not for just some statistic. I feel like now, but do it for a good reason. Do it like people are like, damn, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> she, you know, versus zero, she was drinking. Zero to ten. Zero to ten. Yep. Zero, no chance. Ten, definite. Mm-hmm. Likelihood of you trying again. I'm going to say one, because if I said zero, zero is where I thought I was before that day. Right. I, I thought I'd never be there again versus like one is, I think I'm human. I think that that's something I'd have lived with since like I was a child. And there must be a reason that I try to do that when I was a kid. And I might try to do that again. Things can get way worse. Full disclosure for your listeners. I'm 25 soon to be 26 this month. Yeah. <laughs> What do you I'm like? So Does excited. that make you a, a Capricorn? I don't know. What is that? Uh, Aqu- I'm an Aquarius. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I'm Cancer. I'm, cancer. I'm a very Aquarius Aquarius. Everything I do is like super logical. So maybe that's why the national hotline thing worked for me. Like the scale worked for me. Right. Because yeah. What is, I have two more, two more things. Then I think we're done unless you want to add stuff because mm-hmm. you know, you can add whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You have a, probably have a sense of who listens. Mm-hmm. Any words for them, whoever they are. I validate the way that everyone is feeling. Um, I, I think that the most beautiful word that I ever know is sonder, which is the idea that we all go about our lives. And at the same time, everyone else is going on about their lives, not just their lives, right? The experiences they're in, right? So their thoughts, their emotions, every single person feels as emotionally full and complex as 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 you do as i do as we do right so like sonder sonder yeah it's the it's the awareness of other people's thoughts right i mean i think right i don't know that's what i've always been told the definition oh, yeah, was yeah. but if everyone you know i so that's why i validate that like i like 100% what you said earlier if someone tells you that they have depression believe it you don't have to be like oh, now what do we do just fucking believe it because if they're gonna make a decision they might go to you and even if that is a finite decision at least you have answers because i think that the biggest consequence when someone does actually go through with what they're trying to do the consequences are for the living right if you're dead you're dead but then the people that are living have to kind of why this that oh and on the note of notes as a little kid i couldn't think of a note because i I didn't think I was a good enough writer. That's how naive I was, Sean. I was like, I'm not going to leave a note because my, they might laugh at my grammar or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think that everyone is trying to, you know, and then I didn't end up going through with it because I was worried about my parents, like, and how they felt. So if you're, you know, if you're thinking about it, think about other people. And if you are going to go through with it, then at least like, I don't know, reach out, call the National Suicide Hotline because it might know. be interesting. It might just be interesting to be like, actually, it's a 10 and none of those things apply to me. Thank you for validating my concerns. Goodbye. You never know. (laughs) Make that call. You never know. Yeah. Make the call for sure. Conversation. If nothing else, maybe someone will just listen for a few minutes. Right. Because the people that are working there are probably people that can understand what you're going through. You don't volunteer at the National Suicide Hotline because you like are a, a sadist you know you probably care you give a fuck because you've been there so i think like you said might be just worth an interesting conversation i'd encourage them to keep listening to your podcast because this is phenomenal shameless self-promotion shameless promotion but let's promote 
But it is. This is so important, Sean. This is like really important. Like it shouldn't be something like this is how you said. Remember, we started the conversation talking about how frequent this is, right? So frequent. So frequent. And we talk about, you know, not even not even including, you know, marginalized communities and, and people where this happens disproportionately to them. Just like the fact that there are even communities that this happens more of than not is weird that as like a regular walking, talking, breathing human, you, you have to feel weird about talking about it. So right. talk about it. You know, right. like, I think this is great. As always, thanks so much for listening. And special thanks to Anna out in Colorado. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please email us. Hello at suicidenoted.com. You can message us on our Facebook and Twitter pages as well. We really appreciate you listening and all of your support. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.